Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we'll hear from our lead pastor, Dave Carroll, as he kicks off the series, Fearless Future, in the second half of Philippians. Today's message from Philippians 3, 1 through 11 is entitled, Letting Go of the Past. Let's join in now. As we look at the scripture today, uh, the title of the message today in the first part of this series is called Letting Go of the Past. If you came today with a pen, uh, I, I hope that you'll turn the uh, program over and on the back side, take some notes and, uh, and, and make sure to follow along. And that way it helps you pay attention. You know, I, I can tell you, I can be honest with you, I'm not the best preacher in the world. You may need to, you know, doodle a little picture or something to stay awake every now and again, right? Uh, but you can do it. Uh, so today we're talking about letting go of the past. Now, the past can be pretty heavy, can it? It seems like if you've lived more than three or four years in this life, you kind of have a past. Everybody has a history. Uh, and and uh, the history can be heavy in our life. We can look back at the, the sum total of our life and say, wow, this is kind of weighty, and it weighs us down. It's kind of like uh, going to Disney World with a toddler. You know what I'm saying? How many of you have ever been to Disneyland or Disney World? You see, I moved here from Florida, and I know for here in Montana, going to Disneyland or Disney World, it's like a big deal. But in Florida, it was like, you know, you got home from school. Hey, do you guys want to go to Disney today? <laughs> you know? Uh, most people live like from like here to Big Timber away from Disney and know somebody that works there and they sneak you in the park for free. There I said it and it's even recorded. So Disney, I'm not saying names. But anyway, um, yeah, so Disney World just, it's kind of this place you, bit, you go when you're, when you're tired, well, uh, tired or you're cranky or you just need some fun. Well, I remember one time we brought uh, our young boys there and at the end of the night, uh, I paid for a decision. I, I, I decided that they were old enough to walk through Disney and they were old enough to walk through Disney until about 10 o'clock at night, where then I had to hold my, big, my first oldest child, and he's my largest child, I had to hold Aiden on my shoulder for a solid hour and a half as he slept as I proceeded to walk over a mile back to my car. And, and I remember it was painful, it hurt, it was heavy. And many of us are holding on to our past that same way. It's just like we can't quite let go. Now, I, the thing about verse-by-verse verse, um, preaching that I want you to grab a hold of is sometimes you're going to get, like, big applications. Sometimes it's going to go to the heart. Sometimes it's going to um, challenge your mind. But this is why it's important to come to worship every week because it's all going to add up in the end. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so... Uh, Paul is talking about letting go of the past. So we're going to look at his past here. And so turn to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1 as we read. But I'm sorry, I just messed up. Before we get to verse 1, uh, everybody look at Philippians 3, 7. It's up on the screen. Um, let's read this out loud together because this is really the heart of what we're talking about today. Ready? One, two, three. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Think about that for a second. What things that were gain I have counted as loss. What have you gained in this world? Paul says, take a little accounting of your life. Stop for a second and think about everything you've accumulated, good or bad, emotionally, physically, tangibly, you know, things, stuff, accomplishments, failures, everything. Think about it. And Paul was able to make the statement, I've counted it all up, and I said, see ya. I don't want it anymore. This is how he let go of the past. So Philippians 3 and verse 1 says this. 
Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. So he's writing this over and over and over. And, and don't you like that he said finally in chapter 3, and then um, he, he hasn't ended, he's only like halfway through. It made me feel a whole lot better about preaching because sometimes um, I say it's the end and it's still 20 more minutes and you're going, come on, come on. Well, Paul did it too. He's my example right there. And, and so he says, finally, rejoice in the Lord. And I want to write this to you over and over. But in verse 2 and 3, and this isn't really in your notes, it's kind of for free and it's extra. He, he talks about people here for a second. He says, beware of dogs. Now, he wasn't talking about the Rottweiler next door, right? Uh, beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. What, who are the mutilation? Who did he call them? It was the Jewish people, the, the people who were of the circumcision, the old covenant and the Old Testament. He says, beware of these folks, for we are the circumcision. He's talking about people who are not under the law of the Old Testament, but are in Christ. We are the circumcision who worship God in the what? Spirit. Rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. He's going to repeat this over and over and over and over. Now, um, let's, let's think about this for a second. People can really be a major part of our past, can't they? I mean, when you think back in life, you have, you have ex-pastors, you have, some of you have ex-husbands, ex-wives, some of you have, your, you know, you have your current wife and your current husband uh, who you have a long history with, some of you have a long, some of you have a short history, some of you have kids, you have places you've worked, you have all these sum of people, and you have people that have really lifted you up, right, and encouraged you, and, but you also have some people who have made life pretty miserable. You know, my dad used to walk in the door after work some days and say, Dave, you know what? This life would be wonderful if people didn't get involved, you know? And, and Paul had this same problem here that it was kind of like people who, who just followed him around. They were people from his past that kept nagging at him. Uh, if you were to look in the book of Acts, you see that um, when the gospel was shared for the first time and that big thing happened in the church where uh, like 3,000 people came to Christ one day, that was really for the Jews. It was just for the people mostly around Jerusalem. And, and the gospel in Acts 1 through 7 went to the Jews. In Acts 8, the Jews kind of went like this. Okay, because it went to the Samaritans. Remember that? You had, you had Judea in the south. You had Galilee in the north. The Samaritans were the half-breeds. They weren't quite Jews, right? They were in the middle, and the gospel went to them, and they kind of went, well, they're kind of Jews. We'll, we'll hang with these people. But then in Acts 14, or Acts 11, rather, Peter decides, remember he gets this dream. Remember we talked about Cornelius and, uh, and Heroes of the Faith this summer? You know, Cornelius happens, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden Peter takes the gospel to the Gentiles, and now the Jews are going, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, you know who was one of those whoa, 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 whoa people? It was Paul, the guy writing the book of Philippians. He was one of those, whoa, hey, don't, don't send the gospel there. We're, we're going to kill you if you take it there, type people. And he, he was changed by Jesus Christ. And he stepped out of Judaism, and in Acts 15, Acts 14 and 15, he decides to take the gospel there. Well, guess who was trying to weigh down his past? His old friends back in Jerusalem decided to follow him around, followed to every church that he went to. Here we're in the church of Philippi. He went from, they went from church to church to church, and anywhere Paul tried to do work, they tried to tear it down. Anybody had... Anybody like that in your life that has followed you around 
and just torn stuff down? Well, well, I'm here to tell you today that Paul was able to take these people in his past and let go. And let go. And you say, how do I let go? Well, you know, it's kind of like if you're holding on to a rope, what do you have to do? I can't describe it to you. It's like taste, it's trying to, destru- trying to describe the taste of water, right? Can you describe the taste of water? No, you can't describe the taste of water, but you're like, I, I know it when, it's, when I see it and I, when, I, when I drink it, 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 feel, it fills me up and it gives me life and it, and it pumps me up to, to work another day and I can't live without it. Well, there's only one way to let go of people in your past who are tearing you down, and that is to let go. <laughs> Self, use the word to des- describe the word. And this is what Paul does. He says, beware of those folks. You know, leave them in the past because we are the real circumcision. You know, praise God that God doesn't require real circumcision anymore for salvation. That is the circumcision of our heart. And so people are are, are a big part of our past, but we have to learn to let them let go of those types of folks and grab onto the people that God has put in our life. Now, if you are married and you're having trouble, you can't let go of your spouse. You promised. You promised. You know what? You need to let go of the other people so you can work on the main relationships God has given you. Now, um, look at your notes here before we go any further. In Christ, letting go means we let go of everything. Everyone say everything. Everything. We let go of everything except Jesus. Before we go any further on what it means to let go of our past, we have to work on this concept of letting go of everything. Um, back in my days as a student pastor, back in like 1998, I was, I was a student pastor of this youth group in Miami. Now, Miami has this reputation for, like, being, you know, thugs, gangs, all that kind of stuff. And, well, it has a reputation because there's that stuff there. Well, I take my youth group up to this camp in Georgia, and we were, like, those people from Miami who might kill us. You know, that's who we were. It's everybody at the camp. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, that's the Miami kids, you know, prepare to die. Watch your kids, you know, lock them up. Don't let them play with those kids. And, and so we took them in. And uh, during the first day during free time, one of my kids gets in huge trouble. I had this adult come up to me and said, hey, listen, I know your kids are from Miami, and I saw one of them with a knife. And I went, they have a knife. Every kid has a pocket knife. You know, you're not allowed to do that anymore. But back then, every kid had a pocket knife. And, And they said, well, we said no knives at camp. And I went, yeah, you're right. Okay, well, I'll go back and deal with it. So that night, I walk in the dorm with all the guys that we'd brought to camp. And I say, guys, listen, here's the deal. You guys know the rules. No knives. No knives. I want all the knives right now. Well, the one kid that was caught goes, here you go. Yeah, that's right. I had it. Another kid says, here you go. I get about five knives. And, the, and, and we, get, we do this in our life, right, with, with our past. We, we give a little bit away. But here's what I said. I said, guys, I'm not kidding you. How about this? If I see anyone else with a knife, anyone else with a knife, we're all going home, and we're leaving camp right now. Well, would you know it, I walked out of that room with some 20 knives from 12 kids. All right? 20 knives from 12 kids. And when we talk about letting go of the past, letting go of everything for the sake of Christ is very difficult because there are things that we like to hold back because we're like, well, if people see this, I'm going to get in some trouble, right? I have to hold this one back. You know, hey, I, you know, 
my, my drug addiction, I have to hold back. Or my anger problem, how I yell at my family consistently, I might even be physically rough. I, I can't let anybody see that one. I can't let go of it because if I do, everybody sees it, I get embarrassed. Ooh, nope, that part of my past I'm hanging on to. But Paul had this unique ability that we need to grab onto to really take the count of his life. Remember, right there in verse 7, he said, everything I've gained in this life, I have counted as loss. We really need to take stock, thorough stock of our life. And Jesus is saying, let go of all of it. Let's look at what all of it means. Look at verse 4. Letting go begins with placing our confidence in Christ. That's your next blank. It's about our confidence. He says this, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, he says, I more so. Have you ever met those people that just had it all together? Seemed like they had everything. It's like you look at their life and you go, why do they get that life over there and I have this life over here? Why do they have money and I don't have money? Why are their kids seemingly more well-behaved and my kids are crazy? I think that all the time, just so you know, with four kids. You know, you, you, you sit there and you compare and you say, why do they have it all together? Well, I don't know the answer why God has given some people this over here and other people that lot in life. I don't know the answer to this, but I do know this. All of us are guilty of trying to put our confidence in the good parts of our life. How little they, however little they might be, or however large they might be. We are guilty of putting our confidence in these things, in our money, in our job. Um, I, you know, some of us, I, I, I met a guy uh, a few months ago who was just beaming about his award that he won at work, and that was his life. I mean, you could literally tell, my identity is in this award at life. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Anytime you put confidence in the flesh, what you are really doing is you are holding on to things you cannot keep and losing the thing, the one thing, Jesus, that you can hold on to forever. Do you get what I'm saying? And so your confidence has to be in Christ. And, And this is really difficult because, because we have a lot of things going on in life, and we try to please God by what we do. Are anybody like that, you know, where you say, I try to please God by what I do. I wake up and went to church today because I hope God and my wife are happy, right? You know, I, I, uh, you know, I cracked open my Bible on Tuesday because I really hoped that God would be happy with me if I, if I you know, we, we try to please God by doing all this stuff, and, and all the while, salvation, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, is a free gift. And Paul says, you know what? I was one of those people that everybody envied. I was the person with the money. I was the person with the power. I was the person who had it all. But, and I had a, a choice. I had a chance to put all of my confidence in the flesh. But he said, he's going to go on to say, but it wasn't enough. I couldn't put enough confidence in myself to make this life go, to, to, to move past the pain of anything in the past, to move forward in the future. I could not put the confidence I have in the flesh. Some of you today, let, let me put it this way. Some of you today are hoping that you can do enough to get your relationship with God going. And, and, and here's a good illustration for it. There was a lady who wanted to stump a pastor who said, you know, God's grace, his, his unmerited favor, his mercy is really free. It's truly free, and you could do nothing to earn it. You know, so you don't need to put confidence in everything. She said, well, pastor, if I put you in a rowboat, you know, if, if God's grace 
is one row, uh, you know, one oar, and, and my works are the other. You see, when I row them together, that's what makes the boat go forward, and that's, that's, how you, uh, that's how you please God. And the pastor looked and said, well, there's one thing wrong with your illustration, ma'am. She said, what's that? She said, no one's getting to heaven in a boat. <laughs> All right, you get what I'm saying? No one's getting to heaven in a boat. Our confidence has to be completely in Christ. There is only one work that will free us from our past, that will give us hope for the future, and that is the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Do you get it? That is the work. That is where our confidence has to be if we're going to move past the pain and the sin of our past. Now, moving on right here in verse 5, we're going to look at what letting go includes. It includes all of my life. All right? Uh, turn to the person next to you and go, that means you. Just turn to them say, that means you. All right? We're not talking about your great-grandma's life. We're not talking about your son's life, your daughter's life. It's letting go of uh, all of my life. My life. See, most people are simply aiming for enough morality <laughs> to keep them out of trouble. Really? You know? Most people are just aiming for this, like, moral thing out there. Well, I'm going to be good enough so that I don't go to jail or so that my family stays together. That's my goal. But Paul had a bigger goal than this of letting go of all his life. Check this out in verse 5. He says that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. So, in other words, he did it by the Old Testament book to the letter, the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. Who was Benjamin? Benjamin was one of the 12 sons of Jacob, right? Do you a little Bible uh, stuff here going on? Um, he was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. He was the youngest, you know, became one of the 12, the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, Jacob was the grandson of Abraham, okay? And so here Paul is quoting some pretty heavy names. Do you know any name droppers? <laughs> Paul's dropping names. He's dropping big names here. He's basically saying, hey, man, me and Abraham, if we were alive today, we would have been tight, man. Me and Abraham. Can you imagine knowing Abraham? Like Father Abraham? You know, that would be incredible. And here Paul's saying, this is, is who I was. Uh, I was circumcised. I did it just like Abraham would have wanted me to. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews in verse 5. Concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. In other words, he was one of the religious leaders. And this lets us know that one of the parts of all of my life is that we have to let go of our successes. And I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you this. You know what? As you take stock of your life, as you look at God's word today, we all can identify the pain of our past, right? We all can identify the places we've been hurt, and we try to distance ourselves from them. But can I tell you that more than likely, the thing that is keeping you from God, that is keeping you from walking in Christ, the thing that is holding you back and not letting you move forward is probably your successes. It's probably the places where you rock. You know why? Because it's the places where we rock, where we have confidence in ourself that we begin to pile it on and go, oh yeah, I, I'm awesome at this. Yes, you know what? God needs me. Hey, my family needs me. My, my, my kids, they need me. Hey, my boss, he really needs me. And all of a sudden, the operative word here in every sentence in our life becomes me. And the more we build me up, 
the more our past just weighs on our shoulder and we put the weight of the world on ourselves. And all the while, Jesus is saying, I want the weight of your past put on my shoulders, not your shoulders. That's what Jesus is saying. But it's our successes that will keep us from God. You see, Paul was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, and he could have had so much confidence in that that he never truly placed his faith in Christ. And you know what? Just off of this one verse, if this one verse would have been different, if he would have had confidence in this and kept his confidence in this, the apostle Paul would have spent eternity in hell. Wow. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? That's really heavy. So we have to let go of our successes. But look at verse 6. Concerning zeal. This is who Paul was. You guys think you have a past? Paul had a past. He said, concerning zeal, he persecuted the church. Um, Some people think that he was there approving of Stephen's death in Acts uh, when he was stoned to death, that he was looking on and he was going, yeah, stone these Christians, kill them. Do you know that Paul's past included being a murderer? You know, many times we look at these Bible heroes and we go, yeah, Dave, Paul knew how to get forward. He knew how to move forward in this life and he knew how to let go of the past, but he's Paul. He's like in the Bible and stuff. Well, let me tell you, Paul did some pretty jacked up things, and he did them in the name of, uh, of being good for God. <laughs> but our sin, this is your next blank, our sin and our failures, we have to learn to let go of them. Now, hey, you're looking at a pastor who has failed miserably several times over, especially, you know what, uh, probably in my, about the time I turned from like my late 20s into my early 30s, it was the darkest hour of my soul. And you know, I look back at that and I go, oh, man, I I hope there's never a movie made about that time in my life. Would you all be, do you have that time in your life where you'd be mortified if they made a movie about it and put it on the screen? And and they they said, hey, this is Dave Carroll's life from 2005 to 2009. No, no. We get mortified of it. You know why? Because we haven't let it go. For those of you who are in Christ today, who have already placed your faith in Christ, can I tell you that that Jesus said he has separated us from our sin as far as, if you know it, say it with me, the east is from the west. But why is it that we continually live like he's given us the sin and he's sitting there accusing us every day? Why? It's because we've bought into the lie of Satan and we cannot let go of our sin and our failures. And many times we do it because we want people to feel sorry for us instead of being freed by Jesus into the future. We'd rather live in a pity party then live in freedom in the future. Well, you don't know what happened to me. Well, you know what? You're right. I probably don't, and you don't know what happened to me, and we don't know what happened to each other. But I can tell you this. Jesus Christ is powerful to move you past your past. He is. Concerning zeal in verse 6, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, Paul was blameless. Love verse 7. Here's our key verse for today. He says, but what things were gained to me, whatever I gained from even the evil parts of my life, like my persecuting Christians, whatever I gained from being high in pedigree, whatever I gained from money, whatever I gained from power, it's these things that I have counted loss for Christ. Have you lost? Have you, have you truly let go of your successes? Have you truly let go of your sin and your failures. You know, you know why? Because that's why Jesus died. 
That's one of the reasons. So that you could let go of them and be free to move forward in the future. Have you let go of your religion? There are so many people who have not let go of religion in Billings. You know, I'm new to Billings, and so you get a newbie's perspective here. There are so many people who have not let go of religion, it, it kills me. Because many people are, 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 are just, they're looking for the thing, you know, the church that feels good instead of the Jesus who can save their soul. And, and, and we need to let go of our religious efforts in knowing Christ and count them all lost. Let's move on to verse 8, uh, and here's your next blank. Letting go is the only way to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can tell you, for most of us in here, if you are not growing in Jesus Christ, probably, check this out, probably you're holding on to something in your life. And you're holding it with a, just a clenched fist as strong as you can. And you're saying, you know what, God, I'll give you a lot of things, but not this thing because I like to be mad about it. Or, hey, I like to, I like to show this one off. I'm holding this one. But letting go is the only way to grow in a relationship with Christ. And check out verse 8, what it says. It says, yet indeed, I also count all things lost. This is why. This is why you let go, because you cannot do this until you open the hand. Count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of how many things? All things. And count them as rubbish. He only wanted one thing in this life, that I might gain Christ. Think about that for a second. If that's all you could have in this life was Christ, would it be enough? Would it be enough? You see, you can't run in Christ when you're holding on to suitcases when you're holding on to baggage, when, when, you're, when you're believing that your past is all you can ever be, you'll never grow. Let me ask you a question. What is the thing that you're holding on to with a tight, clenched grip? What is it that you like to be mad about, that you like to be happy about, that, that makes you feel good? What is it that you're holding on to that's keeping you from grabbing on to Christ? And more importantly, from Christ grabbing on to you. Identify that. Now, let's stop for just a second. Okay, how many of you have seen those rescue shows, like where someone is in a flooded river, right? <laughs> Someone's in a flooded river in like a helicopter, or maybe they put a lifeline across the river, right? And you see some guy go out there, and, and he, uh, he gets on this, this line, or, he, or he's being swung from a helicopter, and he's reaching down for this person who's like basically about to die, right? Have you seen those shows? I mean, pretty much everybody here has seen those shows. Well, I, I want to talk to you uh, very quickly about the doctrine of salvation. One of my hopes here at Elevation Church is that, yes, we pump stuff up. Yes, we worship God. And, and are you enjoying what, what we're doing here at Elevation, touching the community with Candy Jam? We're doing all that. But one of my biggest hopes is that we develop an appetite to really know God's word because God's word is what lasts forever. And, and so um, we're, I'm going to use this illustration here of this person being saved down a river to talk to you about the doctrine of salvation. And I want to I anchor this down so the people in this room walk out here today and go, I know what it takes to be saved. I, I, know, I know what it is. And so um, the good news is it's very simple. But 
here is, here's what I want to let you know. You can do nothing. <laughs> Isn't that good news? That to, say, to, to be saved and to know Jesus, you, there's really not a lot of option for you. The Bible says that in our sin that we are dead. We're unable to save ourselves. Now, that said, here's the good news. Track with me. There's this person. The, the river floods up really high, right? You, are you tracking with me? Are you there? Okay, good. It, it, it floods up really high. The person, let's say they drive their car. They have to get out of their car because, you know, the car gets stuck and flooded. They have to try to save their life. They squeak out a window, and off they go, rushing down this river to their certain sudden death. Well, that person is pretty helpless, right? Pretty helpless, unless someone else comes and saves them. For the doctrine of salvation, this is God. This is God. Salvation is a gift of God. That person in the river cannot be saved unless someone decides, oh, them. I'm going to reach down and make sure that they keep their life. <laughs> but here, when the, the rescuer comes and reaches his hand down to save the person, what if the person in the river went like this? Uh-uh, no, I don't want your help. What's going to happen to them? They're going to die. They've rejected the free gift of God. And, and, and here's the deal. They've rejected it, and that's the choice they have made. Here's the deal. I believe Scripture says that God put Jesus on the cross to pay the penalty of sin and the wrath of God, but he did it so that he could make it available for the entire world. He could make it available for the entire world. But in the doctrine of salvation, salvation is a free gift of God, but many people will turn after hearing it and say, no, I don't want the help. I think I can get out of this myself. And, and it's no more foolish for the person who's being rushed down a river to make that claim than it is for a person who's spiritually rushing down a river and, and, and turning from God. And this is why we have to do everything we can to let people know, hey, God is holding out his hand. God is holding out his hand. Would you take it by faith? Because he will save you. This is why we have to do this at our workplace. We have to do this um, when we are at the grocery store. We have to become a faith-sharing, outward-focused people because there's a free gift of God and salvation. But here's your second thing that I want you to see. No one can earn it, but it can be received. It can be received. There's nothing you can do to earn God's salvation. What is salvation? Where he takes a dead soul and brings it to life in Christ. He brings us to life in Christ, which means we can spend eternity forever with him in heaven and have his abundant life right now with all of the character and all of the resource of Christ. Check this next phrase out. Salvation happens. You may be wondering. How does salvation happen? How do I know I'm saved? It's very simply summed up in this statement. Salvation happens when one believes on Christ. And by that, I said that before in baptism. His death, burial, resurrection, sinless life, that he truly is God, right? And then you turn from your sin. The Bible says you will be saved. Now, for some of you, you're going, Dave, this is elementary. And, and you know what I'm hoping? For, uh, for, the, for the one who's saying elementary, that you would re-grab onto the fact today that God saved you. Isn't that an amazing thing? That the God of this universe reached down when you were rushing down and he saved you? How grateful are you because of that? How grateful are you that he saved you? And, and here is the truth, and this is the big, the big, big statement I want you to hear today based off of Scripture. Because of Jesus Christ, the cord of your past sin is cut, and it's no longer with you. 
which means if you cannot let go of your past and you cannot head into a fearless future with Jesus Christ, it's only because of one reason. You choose to sit around and wallow in it. You choose to sit and wallow in it when God has already cut the cord for the believer. And today, if you've walked in and you don't know Jesus Christ and you've never begun that relationship and you're wondering, how do I get past the past? Where do I find this joy again that Paul talks all the way through Philippians? Where where do I find this? It's found only in Jesus. Only in Jesus. Check this out, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's up on the screen and it's in your program. This is the scripture that helps us understand now the doctrine of salvation. There are pages and pages that could be written, but I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll regain the appreciation for what God has done and what it means for your past and for your joy in this life here and now and your ability to go into the future. He says this, for by grace, God's unmerited favor, you have been saved through what? Faith. And that not of who? Yourselves. It is the gift of Of who? God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is why Paul said right there, back in verse 4, he said, though I might also have confidence in in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he could have confidence in the flesh, it's me. That's what Paul is saying. But here in Ephesians, which Paul also wrote, he says, you don't get to boast. You boast in nothing. Except, except the work of Jesus. That is your boasting. That is what is going to free you from your past. And, and here's a good litmus test for this. If you say, Dave, how do I know if I'm putting too much confidence in myself? Or how do I know, uh, based off the salvation, if, yeah, I have the resource and God's cut the cable, but maybe I'm leaning too much on me and not enough on him. And it's stupid because I have the whole resource of Jesus, and yet I choose to just lean on my own resources. H- how do I know? Well, it's very simple. If you say this phrase a lot, (laughs) you are probably, you are probably putting your confidence in yourself, which Ephesians 8 and 9 says, that's not salvation. That's not the salvation that you got. It's not works. And here's the test. O-I. O-I. When someone says, hey, how's life going? (laughs) O-I. When when, uh, someone says, hey, why did, why did your... Why did that, that thing at your job succeed? I. Hey, why is your church doing good? Well, it's because I. <laughs> hey, why is, why is your marriage doing good? Well, I. Well, I. If you're saying, oh, I, well, I, you know what? It's a clear indicator because Scripture says, out of the heart, what speaks? Your mouth. Clear indicator, you're putting the confidence in the flesh, and you're not living in the salvation, the free gift of God that he's given you. What is the correct answer? Why? Do you have joy in your life? Well, Christ. Hey, why are you living right now in a, in a, in a period of blessing? Well, Christ. Hey, hey, tell me about why, why you're making so much money. Well, you know what Jesus has done. <laughs> you know, do you get 
boasting in Christ. It sounds crazy, but that is an indicator of someone who is putting all their confidence on, in, in Jesus and on Jesus' shoulders and not in themselves. And you know what happens to those kind of people who say, well, Christ, and who take on that mindset and who truly mean it and who live it on their heart? Those people are able to, to walk away from their past, to walk away from their sin, to walk away from failure, to walk away from even success, and they're able to have a fearless future that has joy in any circumstance. Hey, dude, can you tell me why you're so happy? Well, no, it's not because the hurricanes won, which they didn't last night. No, I find my joy only in Christ. And you see, when that happens, when the storms of this life come, or even when the the storms of success come, you're able to keep true north. Look at your last point after letting go. And this isn't like a finally, like a Paul chapter three finally, and there's a chapter four. This is really finally. After letting go, this is what you have to aim at. Check out verses 9, 10, and 11. I'm sorry, verse 10 and 11. Now let's go with 9. Here we go. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness. There's that my, that my word, that me word, right? Which is from the law, but I want that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. I want God's quality in me. That, here's the key, verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. This is his fearless future, that he may know Christ, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. What do you aim at? One, write this down, knowing Christ. Here's the good news. Jesus can be known. Isn't that good news today? That Jesus can be known, the one who can free you from your past and set you into the future, the one who can see you through this life. He can be known. Let me ask you a question. Are you putting any effort into knowing him? Are you putting effort into getting to know the people of God, to serving in your church, to changing your attitude and really letting go of your past? You may say, my past includes my hobbies. Why? You know what? And if I let go of my hobbies, it means I may spend more time at church. If I spend more time at church, it means I can't. Um, I was talking with a friend the other day who said, you know, this is the first time I haven't played flag football on a, on a fall. And I, was like, and I was like, yes, that's someone who got it, who's starting to boast in Christ, Christ alone. Are you aiming at Christ to know him? Is, is he getting your time? Is he getting your effort? So how about this? Are you trusting his power? Because some of you are looking at your situation going, Dave, you have no idea how much success or how much trouble I've gotten myself into, and it's going to take me a long time to get myself out of it to where I can boast in Christ. Well, here's what I know. God could do more in this instant right here, right now in this worship service than you could spend for thousands and thousands of years on your own power doing. God can do it more right now. And it says right there in verse 10, that I may know him in the what? What's that word? The power of his resurrection. Resurrected Jesus can change it all in an instant. That's good news, isn't it? That's great news. And here's the last thing. When it comes to letting go of your past, you have to believe God really can raise a dead person. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.